Hello, and welcome to the Hardcore Zen Podcast. My name is Brad Warner. I will be your host. I am the author of Hardcore Zen, Letters to a Dead Friend About Zen, Sit Down and Shut Up, Don't Be a Jerk, It Came from Beyond Zen, and a whole bunch of other books about Zen Buddhism and other stuff. This podcast is sponsored by you. So if you'd like to support this podcast, go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are my main and only means of support, and I really appreciate your donations. But as always, this podcast is offered for free, so you don't gotta donate if you don't wanna donate. Today's podcast was recorded on November 7th, 2014 in Hebden Bridge, England, during a retreat that I was holding there, and the subject is Rebirth and Reincarnation. And those of you who have read my book, Don't Be a Jerk, will recognize that I am talking about what eventually became a chapter of that book, but I'm talking about it before I actually finished it and made it a chapter of the book. So maybe you'll enjoy this, maybe you won't, I don't know. But here we go, take it away, Brad, in 2014. I I brought along something that I printed out that I could talk about. Now I'm starting to sound like a Canadian. Um... Just said about about anyway. Uh, I brought I brought along something that I could talk about. That's that's more Canadian than uh, that. I printed out before I even came out on this tour, and then I never I never used it. <laughs> I keep bringing it to these talks, and 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 it's it's sort of my fallback thing to talk about, but uh, never have. And I am going to briefly ask your opinion on whether it sounds like a good subject, and if it doesn't, we can, and if somebody has a better subject that they'd rather talk about, we can do that. This this little piece is something I wrote and rewrote and rewrote again, and, and I'm still in the process of working on, called, Did Dogen Teach Reincarnation, and Does It Matter Even If He Did? Uh, and it's based on a little sort of argument, I think, or discussion I had with a, a, a person I know at San Francisco Zen Center. And he's, a, he's, he's quite a Dogen scholar sort of uh, fellow uh, who, uh, who I had this discussion with about reincarnation. Is that an interesting topic or is there something yeah. more? It, it, the reason I kind of am cautious about it is it's very dogany, um, and so and so what I've been struggling with in writing this is I, I kind of hope to use it in a book, and, and my books are not pitched at dogan scholars, so I'm really trying to to pull it out of the area of who cares what dogan said, you know, and 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 try to make it more practical, and I'm not going to read this to you, but I'm going to use it as notes, so. Um, what, here's the initial sort of dispute. Is uh, well, I'll just read you the email that I got that 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 I printed in this that that touched the whole thing off. I've got a lot of videos on YouTube where I answer different questions from people, and he says, "I was checking out some of your videos and came across one on reincarnation in which I appreciate what you say about how we can't know what happens after death, and therefore Zen doesn't emphasize that teaching." However, you also say that Dogen was very adamant that there is no reincarnation, that the idea of reincarnation is a non-Buddhist idea that was grafted onto Buddhism later on and isn't originally part of Buddhism. Wow. I am concerned that others will actually think that is Dogen's and Buddha's view. As you probably know, there are many, many early Pali suttas in which the Buddha talks about rebirth, and in parentheses, I don't like to use the word reincarnation, which seems to imply that there is some kind of self which reincarnates, end parentheses. Including his descriptions of his own night of awakening, in which two of the three knowledges he received involved seeing into rebirth. And again in parentheses, of course no Atman is involved in Buddha's view, and like karma and everything else, for that matter, rebirth is only conventionally true, end parentheses. And Dogen, though it's true he doesn't emphasize the teaching, clearly teaches rebirth in the Shobogenzo fascicles, Shinji Go, Shinjin Inga, and especially Doshin. Statements such as death does not turn into birth in Genjo Koan are just talking about abiding in a Dharma position, like winter doesn't become spring. I was wondering where you got the idea that 
about Dogen's adamant view that there is no reincarnation. As you can see, I don't know if you can. Uh, I'm assuming you can see. There's 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 a there's a problem going on in this in this communication, which I see immediately. Which is the longer he goes on talking, the more he he seems to be burying himself in this sort of twisty scholarly view, which becomes increasingly difficult for me to understand, even though I also study Dogen pretty carefully. For example, I have no idea what the phrase abiding in a Dharma position means. I've asked a few people. I haven't asked Kokyo himself what it means because the discussion went in another direction, but I've asked other people, have you ever heard this phrase abiding in a Dharma position? Because I don't know what that means. But he uses it as if everybody knows what abiding in a Dharma position means. One of the problems with people who get too scholarly about their Buddhist stuff is they, they lose contact with the rest of the world. And, and I notice this about scholars in general. So you, you've got these little groups of people who can only talk to each other because they're the only ones who understand what they're talking about. And, and this fixes the knowledge uh, they're talking about in this certain realm of, of nerds. And it becomes a bit like um, discussing whether the uh, alien Baltan in the first Ultraman or alien Baltan in Ultraman 80 it could beat the other one up. This is something I know about. And, and I would say that the Ultraman 80 one could probably beat the other one. Uh, I mean, it, it, and it makes just about as much sense, right? You know, you guys don't even know who alien Baltan is, so... It's like discussing whether the Daleks or the ice warriors are, or is it the ice men? No. Cybermen and ice warriors, right? Yeah. Well, who would who would win? Icemen, cyber? No, ice ice warriors, cybermen, or Daleks? Daleks. Daleks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they can't go downstairs. Well, they you do Daleks can go downstairs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's the biggest shock horror in the world at the time. When, when they could go downstairs. Now, my first response to uh, Kokyo was um, that I got my ideas mostly from two, two particular Dogen fascicles. I hate the word fascicles. Chapters. And one is called Bendoa, which is one of the first pieces that appears in most modern versions of Shobo Genzo, and it's one of his earliest pieces of work, and it's considered very important because almost everything that occurs later on in Shobo Genzo appears first in Bendoa and Genjo Koan. These are two, the two things that usually appear the first, as the first two chapters, it depends on who you're reading, of Shobo Genzo, and, and kind of lay out what you're going to read for the next four volumes of the thing, right? And in both of those, he says, he says things that, to me, sound like very strong denials of the idea of reincarnation. In Bendoa, he says, uh, according to that non-Buddhist view, which he refers to, uh, but it doesn't matter, according to that non-Buddhist view, there is one spiritual intelligence existing within our body, when this body dies, however, the spirit casts off the skin and is reborn on the other side. So even though it seems to die here, it lives on there. Therefore, we call it immortal and eternal. But if we learn this as the Buddha's view, or sorry, if we learn this view as the Buddha's dharma, the delusion would be too shameful for comparison. And he calls this the heresy of Seneca, and Seneca was an Indian philosopher who popularized this idea. In Genjo Koan, he says... Firewood, after becoming ash, does not again become firewood. Similarly, human beings, after death, do not live again. And um, in this piece, just because I thought people might dispute it, I, I, that was Nishijima Roshi's translation, and I give three other translations, but you don't need to know those. But sometimes people say, well, what does it really say? And I say, well, you know, it, it, what it really says is, Hito ni shinuru no chisara ni iki no ikito narazu. That's what it really says. You know, I, I, I always love these discussions where, where I'll cite, I'll put an English translation, of, what does it really say? And I say, well, you know, what it really says is in Japanese. Is that what you mean? Um, which, which means basically, 
human beings don't don't die uh, after human beings die they don't return to life but he follows this by saying at the same time it is an established custom in the buddha dharma not to say that life turns into death this is why we speak of no appearance and it is the buddha's preaching sorry it's the buddha's preaching established in the turning of the dharma wheel that death does not turn into life this is why we speak of no disappearance Life is an instantaneous situation, and death is also an instantaneous situation. So, so that's where I got this idea from, that he denies reincarnation. Um, the thing about reincarnation and life after death that makes it a, a touchy subject is, is that a lot of people who come to religious teachers, they're, they're only... Their only reason is is because they want to be assured that they're going to live forever. You know, this is this is a big, there's a big business in assuring people that they're going to be they're going to live forever. So if you dress up in in special robes and clothes and tell people they're going to live forever, they will give you money. Um, this is this is a time proven strategy for for making money, and so a, a lot of people do this. Uh, some of them are, are sincere in their in their beliefs, and some of them are just cynical. Um, but nevertheless, there's big money to be made. the The other problem is that um, as soon as you, Kurt Vonnegut, do you know Kurt Vonnegut, American author, real good author? He he once wrote in an essay that he never puts a love story in any of his books because as soon as you put a love story in a book the reader only cares about the love story and misses the entire rest of the book. This was his theory, and if you read a Kurt Vonnegut book, you'll, you'll never see a love story in one of his books. I feel the same way about talking about reincarnation. I feel like as soon as I say anything about reincarnation as a Buddhist teacher, nobody wants to hear anything else. They just want to hear reincarnation all day long and all night long, and, and I'm just not that interested, to, to be honest. But... Um, he, um, let's see, has the, has the uh, Heaven is for Real, has that book made it over here, or is that just a specifically American phenomenon? It's everywhere in America. Um, it, it's a book uh, claiming to be by a, uh, written by a 10-year-old kid who had some sort of an accident where he was comatose or, you know, dead, technically, clinically dead for a certain amount of time, went to heaven and then um, told his parents all about what heaven was like. And this book became a, such a big seller that you, you even go into the supermarkets and they have copies that, yeah, of this book. You know, it's just everywhere. Do they kill him so they can go back again? Yeah, maybe they should. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole story behind that. But what... Um, what my friend Kokyo cited was um, he also he, he mentioned several things about Dogen, and then he he also wanted me to read this book called The Truth of Rebirth by um, Tanisaro Biku. I'm not sure how we pronounce that. It's a it's a, it must be uh, Sri Lankan, I would assume, of the Theravada school. Definitely Theravada school if he's in Biku. But um, among other things that, that I found in that book was this quote. When any of Buddha's fully awakened disciples passed away, he would state that one of the amazing features of their passing was that their consciousness could no longer be found in the cosmos. Rebirth, he said, happened to those who still had clinging, but not to those who didn't. And there's a scriptural citation. Uh, and one of his own amazing attainments as Buddha, he said, was that at the end of his life, the world would see him no more. Another scriptural citation. Now, reading this, I think you get the sense that when these Indian Buddhists were talking about reincarnation, their view of reincarnation was very different from what Westerners hear. Westerners want to hear about reincarnation because they want to hear that they'll live forever. Uh, but for Buddhists, in terms of reincarnation, if the ones who believe it, the goal is not to live forever. Uh, and that, that uh, just sounds weird to most of us in, in the West, that, that you, you would, who would follow a religion whose promise was that you won't live forever? So, so we're already 
talking about two different things when we talk about the Buddhist belief in reincarnation and the way reincarnation is understood in the West. Because we, we like reincarnation because it means we get to live again. Hey, good, you know, maybe I'll get to fix all the mistakes and shag everybody I didn't shag in this life, only they'll be dead and oh, it's a whole mess. Um, but regarding these, he mentions three chapters in his email um, about uh, where Dogen teaches rebirth. Now, this, this is interesting to me as a person who studies Dogen because Dogen is an extremely realistic guy. The one thing you get out of his writings is that he is not interested in supernatural explanations and, and such like. He, like I said last night, I think, he, he talks about deep belief in cause and effect that everything is governed by cause and effect. Uh, so there is no, there's no such thing as the supernatural in Dogen's view. So if Dogen believed in reincarnation, um, well, why? And so before, before getting into that, I hope I've got enough time to get through all of this. Before getting into that, um, I'll, I want to talk about these three chapters in which Dogen appears to express a belief in reincarnation uh, because because there there are there the first one the first one I think I, I honestly think Kokyo Henkel was stupid to cite this as as a chapter in which Dogen expresses a belief in reincarnation but the other two not so stupid but this first one is is just dumb um, because it's it's uh, it is the chapter called Deep Belief in Cause and Effect. And in this chapter, he cites the story of Hakujo's fox. Some of you probably know this koan, but it's a very popular koan used in both the Rinzai and Soto traditions. And in it, uh, a... Let's see. Did I, did I read this? No, I'm afraid I didn't. In it, uh, basically, there is a... Um, there is a, a Buddhist temple in which every time the master gives a speech, this kind of raggedy old man who's not one of the monks uh, appears and stands at the back of the group and watches the talk and then goes away after. And everybody's sort of like, who is that old guy? But, you know, he just comes, listens to the talk, and goes away. So one day after a talk, instead of going away, the old man comes up to the Buddhist master, uh, Hyakujo, and says... I'm not a human being, actually. Uh, I was once the master of a temple that was on this very mountain, and uh, someone asked me if, if an enlightened person is subject to the law of cause and effect. And I said, an enlightened person is not subject to the law of cause and effect. And because of my wrong saying, I was reborn for 500 lifetimes, as a wild fox, which is a symbol of something that's crafty and, you know, tells lies. Uh, and uh, would, would you, the master, now please say something to relieve me of my burden of being born as a wild fox, uh, you know, yet another 500 lifetimes? And then Hyakujo says something like, the, the law of causing and effect is, well, he's, so, the, so the, the old man says, is an enlightened person subject to the law of cause and effect? The Hyakujo says, uh, the law of cause and effect is as clear as noonday. And the, uh, the master, the, the old man says, thank you, I have now been freed from my body of a wild fox, would you, would you please give me the rights of a, of a dead monk? And so they go and uh, dig out the, the heat, the old man disappears and Hyakujo goes after him, and he finds under a bush a dead fox. And he takes the fox and then has a funeral ceremony for him. And there's a bit more to the koan than that, but that's the story. Now, if you are going to cite that as a instance where Dogen is saying he believes in reincarnation, that's like saying Noah's Ark is real, or Adam and Eve were actual people, and there was a real Garden of Eden. It's, it's, not, it's not a very convincing argument. So I just toss that one aside anyway. It's very clear that the point of this 
lesson, the reason Dogen is citing this is to tell people that that cause and effect is is uh, covers every situation. So he's not expressing a, a, a belief in, in in life after death or reincarnation. So I shouldn't have even wasted all that time talking about it. The other two are more interesting. Uh, one is called Karma in the Three Times, and it, the this I tried to condense this, but um, even after condensing, it's still a bit long. Uh, in the nineteenth, the, sorry, the nineteenth patriarch, venerable Kumara, well, whatever it is, arrives in the in a country in central India, where a saint called Gayasata asks, "In my family, father and mother have always believed in the three treasures." Yet they have been beset by ill health and in general are disappointed in their undertakings. My neighbor's family has long done the work of uh, chandalas, the untouchables, yet their bodies are always sound, sorry, always in sound health and their doings harmoniously combine. What is their good fortune? What is our guilt? The Venerable One says, How could there be any room for doubt? In short, retribution for good and bad has three times. Generally, people see only see that the good sorry only see that to the good comes early death to the violent long life to the evil fortune and to the righteous calamity whereupon people say there is no cause and effect and no wrongness or happiness particularly they do not know that shadow and sound accord with their sources not differing by a thousandth or a hundredth and even with the passing of a hundred thousand myriad kalpas which is an incredibly long time never wearing away. Uh, And Dogen explains, gives us his explanation. Uh, These words, retribution for good and bad, has three times mean. One, retribution is received in the immediate present. Two, it is received in one's next life. Three, it is received laterally, uh, meaning in another subsequent lifetime. These are called the three times. Uh, If people have committed in this life the five actions leading to incessant hell, we won't worry about what those are, they will invariably fall into hell in the next life. The next life means the life following this life. For lesser sins, there are those who fall into hell in their next life, and those, those who, because they have deserved the influence of laterally received karma, do not fall into hell in the next life. Their karma becomes the karma of latter retribution. Uh, La-di-da-di-da. Um... If people having committed in this life either good or bad feel the effect of good or bad karma in a third life or a fourth life or even in a hundred thousands of lives, this is called karma that receives retribution laterally, etc., etc. And here Dogen does seem to be saying, watch what you do in this life because it'll never go away and you'll have to deal with it when you get reborn in your next life. And it's hard to see it any other way. Uh, however, the teacher I had, Gudo Nishijima, who I've mentioned before, um, always, when asked about this, said, "This, this, you don't need to take this literally. Uh, we, we don't need to to, exp- to understand this literally as future lifetimes. But what he is saying is more um, more that karma is unavoidable. So that if you do." negative things, you, f- you get an effect from that. And no matter how long uh, you have to wait for it to pass, it will always happen. And whether you want to believe it, that happens in a future lifetime or in this lifetime doesn't matter. Um, <coughs> now, uh, so, so he's, he's, spr- he's stressing ethical behavior. Now, the, the one that my friend says is the most telling of all is this one, which appears in a chapter called Doshin, or The Will to Truth. And here, here's what he says in Doshin. Um, Even between abandoning this life and being born in a next life, in which period there is said to be a middle existence whose length is seven days, even during that period we should intend to chant the three treasures, that's Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, without ever lulling the voice. After seven days, we are said to die in the middle existence and then received, uh, and then to receive another body in the middle existence for another seven days. At the longest, this body lasts is seven days. Uh, at this time, we can see and hear anything without restriction as if with the supernatural eye. 
At such time, spurring the mind, we should chant the three treasures. We should chant without pause, not forgetting to recite Namu Kie Butsu, Namu Kie Ho, Namu Kie Sol, which is homage to Buddha, homage to Dharma, homage to Sangha. When, having passed out of the middle existence, we are drawing close to a father and mother, we should feel ourselves, no, sorry, we should steal ourselves and even when, due to the presence of right wisdom, we are in the womb-store world that will commit us to the womb, we should chant the three treasures. We might not neglect to chant even while being born. And a couple of paragraphs later, he says, After darkness comes before our eyes, we should strive unflaggingly to recite the three demo- de- uh, devotions, not letting up even until the middle existence and even until the next birth. In this manner, exhausting life after life, in age after age, we should recite the three devotions. Now, here he gives a lot of sort of technical information about what supposedly happens after you die and when you're getting reincarnated. Um, But uh, I think the thing to notice is even in this bit, he is not emphasizing, he's not saying, hey, kids, Here's what happens after you die. It's A, B, and C. He is assuming that his audience already knows this stuff about what supposedly happens after you die, and his emphasis is not on that, but on this idea of revering the three treasures. So what he wants to say here isn't, here's what happens after you die. He's saying it's very important to revere the three treasures. It's so important to revere the three treasures that even after you die, you should keep revering the three treasures. So it's, it's, it's extending in this kind of metaphorical thing. Um, so in, in every case, and, and these are the most blatant ones, there's a few bits scattered here and there you could find where he seems to be expressing a belief in reincarnation, but really these are the, these are the main ones. These are the juiciest ones. Um, and in every case, he's, he's using the metaphor of reincarnation to talk about something else. But when he specifically does talk about rebirth, he says, just as firewood does not become firewood again after his ash, you, you do not return to birth after death. You know, when he's, when he's talking about it directly, you know, he gives, he gives his most, um, you know, he gives his a kind of denial of it. The question for me, though, is... Um, did Dogen believe in rebirth? And if he did, does it matter? Uh, and I would say, if you read these chapters, it certainly sounds like he, he, he might have had a belief in some sort of continual existence after death, which involved being reborn. Uh, although I would, I would argue that it's not, it's not 100% clear, even from, from these passages. But the question for me is... Uh, does it matter? Because Dogen is does never presents himself as having any sort of supernatural or special knowledge uh, that anyone else couldn't discover for themselves. So anything anything he presents to his audience, he is also saying, you can discover this for yourself if you work on the practice. Uh, and he doesn't, so, so he's never a messenger from God delivering special information, you know, the way certain prophets are, uh, privileged information that only the prophet has. Uh, he's saying this is stuff that, that you can test for yourself. So if he is a person who has meditated very deeply and for a long time, uh, and discovered this for himself, then that makes it interesting to me uh, because he had a more sort of intensive meditation experience than, than I've had and, and probably than most of us are going to have because he started when he was, what was it, 10 years old or something like that. Uh, he, was a, he was a small child and entered a temple as a monk, and devoted himself to the practice for a long time, uh, making it his main purpose in life to to meditate continuously and to get very, very serious about it. So, um, although although 
that doesn't give you privileged information from God. Uh, my experience with meditation is that it does give you insights into the nature of things. Um, if you if you do this sort of practice that we're all engaging in this weekend, um, you, you'll start to notice certain aspects of, of life that might not have been apparent to you at the beginning. You know, and it takes years to kind of uncover this stuff. But most people who do it have these kind of insights. And for the most part, when they get together, um, their insights mesh rather well. I'm talking about people who meditate, not people who just study things. People who study things will always argue with each other about, you know, who's right and who's wrong. But I found that even across different traditions, people who, who, who seriously meditate and then get together and talk about what's happened in their meditation usually accord with each other almost as much as scientists who do the same experiment in different parts of the world. Um, so, so if Dogen believed in this, then it's important, I think, to me personally, because, uh, because I value his insights. Uh, Yet my conclusion when I, when I read all this stuff is I can't say for sure whether Dogen believed in reincarnation or not. Uh, although, uh, apologies to Nishijima Roshi up in heaven, because uh, he died earlier this year, um, who, who was very adamant that Dogen never believed in reincarnation, um, I, I would have to say it appears to me that maybe he did. Uh, or, or something we could label as reincarnation. Um, is this important, is, is the next question. And is this important that he believed in it? Well, uh, or is it important to believe in reincarnation, for example? Uh, I would say that, uh, that if we're listening to Dogen, the answer is it is not important whether somebody believes in reincarnation. He, he emphasizes this over and over. Um, that what we are dealing with in this practice is this life here and now. And so if there is a, a future life to be had somewhere else, um, then we'll deal with that future life then. Uh, what we need to be focused on is this life. And, and to me, it's, it's, it sort of makes perfect sense, that view, because even if, if we cultivate a... If we cultivate a habit of always looking for what's going to happen in our future life or our next reincarnation or after we're dead, then what happens when we get to paradise, you know, after we die? Well, we're going to be going, well, what happens next? <laughs> you know, what happens after all these angels and, and wings? And, and uh, I always want bowls of um, tortilla chips uh, and guacamole. Uh, that's my idea of, of heaven, would be endless bowls of tortilla chips and guacamole and never getting fat. You can just keep eating the tortilla chips and guacamole and never, and never get fat. That's, that's heaven. Um, <laughs> Tim McCarthy, my teacher, would say his, 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 um, his idea of heaven is waking up in a warm bed and Jesus uh, going, oh, no, that's all right. You can just, you can just stay in bed a little longer. <laughs> you know, so everybody's got their, their different ideas of, of, uh, of what heaven is, is like. Um, so, you know, that's... Um, if your if your belief in 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 if your habit of always looking towards the future for validation of your current experience, if you develop that sort of a habit, it's going to continue. So I, I don't think it's it's really good. Um, and and uh, and one of the one of the things I put in this that I should have said earlier is. Uh, is this. Um, you, uh, this is what I wrote for this essay. You've just read all of the most direct statements Dogen ever wrote on the subject of rebirth. There are a few th other things scattered here and there, but this is really the, all the most significant stuff. So now you know as much as I do, and as much as any Dogen scholar out there does. I've just given you all that information. So, 
I might as well ask you, did Dogen believe in rebirth? <laughs> you know. Um, so, so I think this is some. I think this is an interesting thing. Uh, to me, um, because Dogen's Dogen's view, whether he believed in rebirth or not, was always um, look at what's going on right here and now. Um, and I'll just leave you with this quote from Kota Sawaki, who's also a Dogen scholar. Uh, he said. It is very unskillful to use this body of five feet only as a five-foot body. It's foolish to live merely using up 50, 80, or 100 years of longevity. To practice the Buddha way is to become a person who will never die, who is not at all different from the Buddha pervading the entire universe forever. Meaning, we, we, we establish our immortality by according with the, the universe as a whole, uh, and whether that involves a sort a personal immortality or not is largely irrelevant. So that's that's my spoken word version of my little essay about Dogen's belief in rebirth. So I end up I probably would frustrate people who listen to that because they'd go, "Well, does he believe in it? Is it a reincarnation or not? Because that's what I paid money to hear," you know. And I probably wouldn't make a lot of money putting that out. I just need to say... I, I actually had this idea at one point to write a book called You Will Be Reincarnated and Live Forever. Uh, <laughs> and then, it would, be, and then it, would, it would end up being more like what the contents of this. But uh, the, the title would be just to, um, to try to sell books to suckers. <laughs> well, you know, to be sort of ironic. And you get done by the Trace Description Act. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and the next one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like quite an academic point that you're making. Yeah, it is. It is a bit um, academic. Which is kind of interesting to, to the extent that, um, like you talk about the Fox story, or the extent to which people kind of just believed in reincarnation in the sense that people used to in the 14th century in this country believe that there was heaven and hell, but that's. Yeah, yeah. People it, actually it, believed it. Yeah, yeah. People just generally, yeah. I mean, it's no, just sort of accepted folklore yeah, of yeah. the... There weren't many people who didn't believe that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that was the currency. Yeah. So that was, to me, the interesting thing, to know whether it was Dogen's currency, as it were. You know, that, that would be... Yeah. You know, whether he... Because I, I completely agree from the little I've read of him, and, you know, he's just... Focus on what's important. Yeah, yeah. Than, and I just wondered to what extent that's just the language of the time. It's it's and hard it was to tell. Taken, taken in, you know, as much as the the Cohen stories. As yeah, you don't really take the koans literally. I mean, I don't really believe the guy cut off somebody's finger because they gave. You know, that's one of the Cohen stories oh. where a guy cuts yeah. off somebody's finger with a big knife. I don't think anybody really did that, and I don't think anybody was really born five hundred times as a wild fox. I mean, it's people, such a brilliant story, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's such a, it, it's, you know, it's, it's going to live, isn't it, in you know, a story like that? But you're right, there is a certain currency of the time. I mean, people will, in our culture, people who don't believe in heaven or hell will talk about, they'll say, go to hell, or, you know, they'll talk about heaven, or, or you know, people who aren't necessarily Christians will hit their finger with a hammer and go, Jesus Christ, you know. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just what we do. And it doesn't necessarily mean imply a belief. Whether Dogen believed in it or not is is difficult to to say. As I said, um, you know, he does he does give this like detailed seven day body, you know, in the realm of this and that, which is kind of stuff you can read in the Tibetan Book of the Dead and other other sort of sources like that. Um, it struck me when you were saying that though that he might have been saying that so that he was talking to the the general lay people of the time. So that's what they believe. Yeah. That's what they take for granted, and he's emphasizing, okay, but whatever happens, just recite the three jewels. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's the way I that's the way I read it. In in all three instances where he he talks about this, he's using the the, the currency of the time, uh, you know, the of uh, the belief system to emphasize a, a point he thinks is more important. Um, you know, it's it's this whole. The whole life after death thing is very. I wrote I wrote about it in in uh, that 
the book I just saw you brought the, <laughs> the copies of, uh, in this book that I just put out called There Is No God and, and He Is Your, no, He Is Always With You. It was originally called He Is Your Creator, but there's a whole thing. Um, and and I've, had, I've had some instances in my life which are um, difficult for me to explain away. And one of the ones I wrote about in the book um, was that I was at Tassajara. Okay, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, I knew this guy named David Cody, who was a very funny guy. And even though I didn't... I didn't hang around with David a lot. Um, I considered him a friend because we, we kind of developed this bond. And uh, But I always knew <clears throat> he was a terribly depressed person. And one day, I got a message uh, from a friend that David Cody had killed himself. And, and it didn't come as any big shock. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it did come as a shock, but it didn't come as a surprise, I suppose. That would be the way to put it. I mean, I, I kind of... And I thought, oh, he finally did it. Um, he lived He lived a lot of his life, several years, uh, at Tassajara Zen Monastery, where I go in the summers. And, uh, and he really was kind of dedicated to Tassajara. He had, he had been forced to move out of Tassajara because it was a fire there, uh, and everybody was evacuated. And uh, when he killed himself, he was living at the San Francisco Zen Center. Uh, residing at the San Francisco Zen Center. I guess he wasn't living there when he killed himself, right? Uh, anyway, um, he, he um, so he was gone. And about a month later, I was at Tassajara. And I, it was a very hot day in the summer, and I was preparing to do some kind of a, a service. And, and this involved me getting dressed up in all my black, heavy Buddhist robes, and waiting for the person who was to serve as my jisha to show up. Uh, so, and I don't, I, I, I'm not very well versed on these ceremonies, and I was kind of nervous about doing it, because every time I do it, I feel like I'm going to mess it, mess it up, and everybody's looking at me as the leader, so it becomes, it's a kind of a tense situation for me. So, uh, I just, the person who was, I, I got there too early, and so, I went and found some shade under a tree because it's, it's very, you know, you're, you're in the middle of the California desert up in the mountains and the sun is very bright and so it's, it's kind of like you just find wherever you can to get out of it. So I went over under this tree to wait for the person. And as, as I was standing under that tree, all of a sudden David Cody was there. And I don't know how to express it any better than that. It was, um, the only thing I can compare it to is if you have a friend and the friend kind of comes and stands behind you and you can't really see them, but you know they're there, you kind of feel their presence, you know, oozing around you, and then you look and go, oh, yeah, I thought you were behind me. Uh, it was that sort of a feeling, and it was, it was uh, extremely clear. You know, it wasn't like I just sort of started reminiscing about, oh, David, I wonder what you're, you know, I remember you told this joke once or whatever. It wasn't like that. It was like, whoosh, right there. Um, and then it stayed around, you know, it, this, this feeling stayed for a minute or two, I don't know, maybe even less than a minute, and just went away. It was just gone. It was like he was there, and he went away. Uh, and after that, I'm just going, well, that was weird, <laughs> you know, uh, because it, it, um, it doesn't accord well with my my own beliefs about such things because I don't really I don't really see how somebody could do that. There's nothing there's nothing in my uh, understanding of reality that 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 I I can see how that would work out. Um, after my mom died, similar stuff happened. Um, that that one's a little bit harder to explain, but um, but but very similar occurrence. So, uh, so this is why I'm sort of, um, I am reluctant to speculate about such things. Uh, I, I think where we go wrong is, is getting entirely too much into the, the speculation about why those kind of things happen. And probably, probably others of you in this very room have had similar experiences 
uh, I think I think it's a fairly fairly common thing. Uh, I think that kind of speculation just goes nowhere. You know, it, it it's it it doesn't it doesn't help anything. Um, so I prefer not to bother with it, and that's my take on that. For what that's worth. Yeah. I think you can go um, too far the other way and insist on like nihilism and that as well. Yeah, I don't. I don't insist on, on nihilism you, either. But, but yeah, you know, I think it's too extremes. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. I, I think that's. I think that's also as unproductive is to uh, is to get too much into thinking you know that uh, that everything just disappears. It's quite a hard stance when people take that. Yeah. View. And it's also weird when people try to ask me these questions. If somebody asks me these questions in a Facebook messenger, you know, as if I could answer the question in... in and, uh, I had it asked in Twitter, which is even worse. <laughs> like, I'm going to... I have 150 characters to express whether... But, yeah. Yeah. But, to, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't think... Um, I don't think we can know. Uh, so... But, but we do know... The dead people don't come, come back. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, Jesus Christ accepted. Maybe I don't know. That's why. That's why I have trouble with the Christian story. I can accept a lot of what goes on, but if you if you're saying I have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then then I'm sorry. People don't rise from the dead. Um, and I guess that's the point of the story. But uh, you know, anyway. Um, and then when they do rise from the dead, they're zombies. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to worship a zombie. Uh, that's that's kind of scary. I think it's quite interesting that we, you often get people holding on to ideas of rebirth and rebirth. <coughs> and yet Buddhists all over the world have happily jettisoned, for example, all the Buddhist cosmology. And nobody now would say that the centre of the world is Mount Miru. Oh, right, and all yeah, those yeah, sort yeah. of things. There's this incredibly detailed cosmology of where we fit and how the world is. And obviously now we all say, well, that's just all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet it's interesting that we're happy to say, well, that's all wrong. But then when it comes to something like rebirth or reincarnation, how you're describing it, that, oh, no, that, you have to believe that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. There, there are certain Buddhist sects that, that do really insist that you must believe in reincarnation and like you it's it's the same thing as like the uh, you know the christians who say that uh, being homosexual is a sin but forget that the bible also says that eating shellfish or wearing mixed mm. clothing fibers is a sin you know because it's in the same it's in deuteronomy the you know it's in the same section of things um also a lot of shamanism is bolted onto buddhism yeah. Which, um, you know, sort of is being quite rejected. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that get. Mm-hmm. A lot of. Uh, what Nishijima Roshi would always say when he talked about this was that, that this is a Hindu belief that kind of crept back into Buddhism after Buddha was dead, you know, and couldn't, and couldn't could no longer deny it himself. So his, his point of view was that Buddha himself clearly denied reincarnation and, and so forth, but then his later followers didn't like that, and so it's sort of they brought it back in. And then, then a lot of people make this thing like, well, we're not talking about reincarnation, we're talking about rebirth, like the guy who wrote this. And I, I think that's... I don't, I don't buy that, because when people, you're just using another word to, to talk about the same thing. You're talking about reincarnation when you talk about rebirth. I mean, there is... There is a sense within Buddhism, I think, that, and I said this kind of yesterday, that life is not something that, that it's not like we are alive and everything else is unalive, so that we die and the life that's in us passes on to something else. The, the idea is that everything is ultimately alive. And so, in a sense, that would mean even after we die, the life remains, you know, intrinsic to, to what made us up to begin with. Um, and uh, it doesn't, doesn't disappear from the universe. 
Um, I think this I think this idea is is prevalent in in Buddhism. But whether that means, you know, I again I think speculating about what that means in in, in terms of of am, am I going to be reborn and stuff. It's, you know, you think about it. If you if you believe in reincarnation, then this is reincarnation. Here we are. <laughs> you know, here we are experiencing reincarnation right now. If you believe in reincarnation, so. So to me, this goes gets, gets back into the well. Then let's look at this, you know. Instead of going, oh, what happens next? Let's let's look at this, because because something, you know, whatever it is, God or somebody, seems to want us to look at this. You know, I, I kind of always feel that that's the bottom line in in what's going on here in in life. That that if there is a higher power, if there is a God, then the most important thing to God isn't being worshipped or being loved or being represented in iconography or what you believe and what you do. The most important thing I would say in experience for God appears to me to be that we pay attention, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why he keeps putting us in situations where we have to pay attention. Um, so, uh, So to the extent that we can do that, that's how we accord with, the, the universal truth by by just being present with with it right now, not over there somewhere else. I'm sort of interested in the all the hungry ghost stuff. Oh yeah. So I love all yeah. the ceremony around that, you yeah. know, and a lot I've read about that, but that doesn't fit with my beliefs about reincarnation in some way. So there's some sort of some contradiction in me that I don't quite understand. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. My, mm-hmm. my, you know, when I see that stuff, I also think, mm, you know, this, the, 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 I like Obon, that, that ceremony, the Hungry Ghost ceremony, mm-hmm. too, but to me it's, it's a bit like Halloween, you know, we don't really believe that, I mean, Halloween is the same idea, the spirits mm-hmm. of the dead coming back just before All Saints Day, right? I think that's where it, where it comes from. But, you know, we just make it into a holiday with candy and costumes and things. Um, and, and you don't have to believe in it. I think it's, it's interesting. There's a book I read, uh, which, which I'm glad I read. I never want to read it again. Uh, it's called Lotus in the Fire. And I've forgotten the author's name, but he's a Buddhist practitioner, a Rinzai Buddhist practitioner, American, I believe. Uh, maybe Canadian, but I think American. And he he had, I think, lymphoma. Uh, he had a form of cancer, and he went through cancer treatments. And, and uh, he describes in glorious and horrifying detail uh, what it's like to undergo cancer treatments. And because of his, his long Zen practice, he was, he was remarkably able to stay present in, during things that most people were, were they're, they're just too horrifying and they just kind of blank it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, he writes in detail about like having the chemo thing inserted into his heart and things like that. I mean, it's really scary stuff. But one of the things he talks about in that book is he, he talks about, he, he, he was comatose through, through certain periods of this and has memories of things that happened. Uh, and he kind of presents them to you in, in much the way I presented my David Cody story. He says, well, this doesn't really accord with my beliefs, but this is what I remember. And, um, and uh, in one of them, he, he hears this chanting going on and on and on and uh, comes out of his coma and later is told by his group that they had held a, a chanting service for him in which they'd done a long chant, you know, his health uh, and so reading that made me wonder I, I don't know you know maybe there's things maybe there's aspects that we don't understand you know and tomorrow uh, this is a good time for me to mention this tomorrow we will do a little Buddhist memorial service uh, two friends of mine uh, one very close friend and one not so close friend but a friend nonetheless uh, passed away both were quite young uh, while I've been doing, while I've been touring Europe, so I would like to honor their memories by uh, including their names in a memorial service. And if 
those of you sitting here would like to also include some names. Uh, basically, the, there's a kind of a dedic. You do a chant. There's a dedication, and then the names are read. Um, by our friend Patty here. Um, so, uh, if you want to uh, add a name, the only the only caveat to that, they, they say this at Tassahara, and I'm not really worried you're going to do this, but. Don't don't put in the names of famous people, you know, who you, unless maybe you knew them. You know, if you knew Jack Bruce personally, you can put his name in. But otherwise, don't put Jack Bruce in there or or um, um, Robin Williams or anybody like that. And and also, it's it's good to uh, put people. It, it's more it's more. What's the word I'm looking for? Socially acceptable is not the word I'm looking for, but uh, I'll use that. Um, to 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 list people who've died recently, else the list just gets goes on forever. Like my mom died in two thousand seven. I'm not going to put her name on this this particular list because if we start going back that far, we're going to have, you know, <laughs> you're just going to be chanting names forever. And it'll it'll never end and it'll be horrible. So, but given that, if you know somebody and you cared about somebody and they've died, you know, recently ish enough, um, you can add their name in the ceremony and we'll and we'll. Uh, Dedicated to them as well. Um, you know, you use your own judgment about that. Yes. Just in connection with the reincarnation thing, when you talk about we all want to live forever, yeah, and that's why we want it. I don't want to live forever, but for me, it's more a balm of people that have passed. Maybe used mm. to be more, and maybe regrets in that, the belief around that. So if there is maybe a soul or a rebirth or something, you can have a connection with somebody that you've got regrets around. For me, it needs yeah. to be more around that than I want to be here forever. Yeah, and yeah. I, 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 yeah. Think, I think ceremonies like what we're going to do tomorrow yeah. are more for us. Yeah. You know, although after reading that Lotus in the Fire book, I wonder if it could be for the others. But, <laughs> but I don't really worry too much about whether it is or not. Um, uh, and yeah. you're thinking then about... Um, I'm not particularly keen on living forever, mm. um, but I was. But I'm keen on. I'm always keen on. Um, I'm always keen on the next life in the sense of next week. Like I'm always yeah. thinking. I wish it was payday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was. I wish it was in my, in a new relationship rather yeah. than being single, or I wish I was eating rather than sitting. Yeah, me so right now. That's what my thing is. That's what my thing is. It's not about wanting to live forever. It's about wanting to get to the next place where yeah. it's going to be easier. And then the other thing I was thinking about was, um, so that's what my struggle is, is trying to be in the present rather than mm-hmm. thinking about payday or, you know, or the next meal or whatever. But the other thing I was thinking about was about, I've done all sorts of nonsense about, in religion, you know, all sorts of bollocks, but the reason I've really enjoyed it is because it's like, it's like what I started to understand is like imagination and literature. And it's like, so I can think about fairies or I can think about, I've never really been into crystals, but I can think about tarot cards or all that. Mm. I know it's not real, but it's 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 connecting with my imagination. Yeah, yeah. And so, where you where it gets really a bit sick is when you start thinking, you know, um, I'm going to get, I'm going to really believe, and you're going to get, you're yeah. going to get something, or get what you want, and all that magical thinking yeah. gets in. Mm. But if you can sort of understand, which I think a lot of people do, and I bet bet Dogan did, that this is an imaginative story. Yeah. And Fox is. An is illustrating a point. Yeah, it's yeah. illustrating a. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're and exactly it's right. Connecting with people's imagination, because otherwise people are just not going to. Yeah, I mean that's why. It's going to be boring. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Like I know Star true. Trek's not real. <laughs> but you can get a lot out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think so, and I think this is also as a person who's written. Um, I've written. I've never written a successful novel, but I've written novels as well as non-fiction books, and I think uh, you can express things in fiction. That you can't express in in nonfiction, um, in it, because the forms are different and doesn't make them less true. And there's things you can express in something like Star Trek, which you can't you know you can't express or are difficult to express. Um, or sometimes uh, science fiction is a great one because you can express things that the world isn't ready to hear. You know that the one Star Trek episode where. It's about the civil rights movement in the states, you know, where the one alien is black on one side and white on the other, but the other one is black on the different side and white on the other side, and they, you know they're trying to make and they they come from the southern part of the galaxy. That's the funniest <laughs> line, um, you know, there's, there's things the like that. Interracial kiss. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lieutenant Uhuru and, and uh, was it 
was it Spock? Oh, no, it was Kirk and Uhuru. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there was some speculation. I, I saw, I actually saw William Shatner give a talk, and people asked him this question. I guess he gets asked this a lot. He said, People have noticed for years that when the kiss actually happens, you don't, the camera is such that you're not looking at their faces, you're looking at the back of one of them's heads, and you can't tell if they, they actually kissed. And he said, No, I definitely kissed Michelle Nichols <laughs> <laughs> several times, you know, he said, on the, you know, on the set there. All right, there you go. That was a talk from November 2014 about reincarnation. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like to support this podcast, please go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are my only way of making a living, and I thank you for your support. But as always, this podcast is offered for free, so you don't got to pay if you don't want to pay. We will see you next time. Have a good time all the time. Bye.